Integrated Informatics with Paragon Consulting Partners. Here to talk with us today about ergonomics in the reading room, we have Greg Patrick, President and Owner of Redrick Technologies. Welcome, Greg. Hello, thank you. Thanks for having me on today. Oh, it's our pleasure. So, um, Greg, I'm, I'm curious if you could tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into the field of ergonomics. <laughs> okay, well, that's a, that's a funny story in a way. I didn't think ahead about doing this. I was a um, I was in the general contracting business and I was uh, doing a lot of construction management work and build outs uh, and renovations for a radiology group in London, Ontario, where I live. And this was in the 90s. So kind of pre-PACS, you know, when all that, that mad dash to change everything to digital happened. And we actually created an adjustable solution for a few radiologists using light boxes or their view boxes. So they were having trouble getting through their day with the angle that that workstation was set up at that was suitable for most radiologists, but there was a couple that were really suffering. So we sourced out and found, you know, some solutions that would give us some height adjustability that we could customize to put these view boxes on and literally save their neck. You know, that's that they had some chronic neck issues and it made a big difference. And it was shortly after that, that the first digital modality started to come into the hospital where they were contracting. And, um, you know, we started putting some desks in there for those. Do you remember those big CRT Barco monitors that weighed <laughs> 5,000 pounds and oh, yeah. <laughs> those crazy things. So we were building desks that would, that would host those and, you know, a couple of years and then, you know, it, it kind of grew. We, we had uh, people encouraging us uh, that this is going to be an opportunity. So like they were installing the packs, we're seeing the tables that we were building. And then somebody from another hospital saw it. And they wanted some some adjustable desks as well. So 2001, we took a, a little bit of a risk and uh, turned it into a company and went to the RSNA. And we got enough interest and feedback that they, we just kept going. And, and it literally started like that, kind of in the garage, so to speak. And it took off and really has been growing steadily since then. And surprisingly, we have been focused almost exclusively in radiology with a few things that I'll talk about later where we're in a few other directions we're going, but primarily we are a radiology reading room solution provider and it started back in the late nineties. Absolutely. An important, uh, an important thing to consider is, is ergonomics in the workplace. And mm -hmm. especially given this huge shift to work from home, I mean, there's obviously in radiology um, that's been growing as, as a market for sure. But right now with the pandemic, there's been a huge shift to work from home and, and you can see my video now. So I'm sure that you could probably rhyme off a bunch of ergonomics mistakes that I'm making here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in that vein, um, what are the biggest ergonomic mistakes that most radiologists make in the reading room? What do you see to be sort of the biggest problem areas there? Um, most of the time, what we notice in the reading room is, um, is a lack of understanding of their own posture, their own bodies, and what they're unconsciously doing. And there's there's kind of a, a saying in ergonomics that the eyes lead the body, and you'll and you'll see this if you if you walk through a reading room and walk through anywhere where people are focused on one thing or focused on a monitor. If that monitor is in a place that hasn't been thought out, or that particular radiologist or person that's using that workspace that day hasn't given some thought to where that should be in relationship to how they're using their own body and, and sitting or standing, any of us will unconsciously adjust and compromise our posture to satisfy our eyes because there's a you know there's an optical distance 
there's an optical angle that you know we want our eyes to be at. And you'll walk through a reading room and you'll see radiologists that are hunched over and leaning in or or looking up or looking down and doing all these weird postures because they've unconsciously come to this position where, well, that's that's where I can see it the best. A lot of times that's because they don't have good adjustability in, in their work space, right? They they don't have the ability to adjust and move these monitors. Also, it's it's a matter of a lack of understanding or awareness that this is what they're doing. So that's the biggest mistakes that a radiologist will make is that there's a lack of consideration and the lack of awareness as to, you know, how am I setting myself up in this space? You know, there's a lot of other things that go along with it, but everything I think comes down to that most important relationship between the radiologist eyes and the monitor. And when you think about it, that's where, right, that's where all this millions of dollars of technology meets, meets the human. Just you talking about this takes me back. Lori and I were doing a, some workflow observation with the radiology group in the uh, Northeast. Um, and we had to travel out to a fairly new outpatient imaging center. Mm -hmm. uh, it was an, in an office park. So the building was not designed to be uh, an outpatient imaging center, but they had you know, clearly done the uh, TIs for the various modality rooms. We walked into the reading room with the radiologist who was uh, reading all of the exams from that location, including a lot of mammos. And he was fortunate enough to have a desk that they had purchased from Ikea, and it was literally falling apart. Uh, I mean, it was just, it was maybe one of the worst reading environments I'd ever seen. All that to set up this question, and, and that is um, clearly <laughs> whoever they hired for the design build of that um, outpatient imaging center did not take into a lot of consideration the fact that there would be one radiologist supporting that environment and reading a high volume of studies across multiple modalities in a given day. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about where reading room design falls into mm -hmm. planning? <laughs> or, or, do, or doesn't. Or, yeah, or doesn't <laughs> in, that, in this um, case, yeah. It's getting better, but I think this has been a this has been an interesting conversation or a topic of conversation that we've had for the last two decades, and we're seeing an improvement, but there's still a ways to go. So what we've found is primarily that the reading room is even now with the knowledge that we have after two decades of this digital imaging, we still find that in the design process that there is a lack of attention given to the reading room. In terms of where it sits on the hierarchy of importance, I think when, you know, when the design consultants and the team are getting together to talk about an imaging space, all the modalities and, uh, you know, there's patients coming and going and all of those are important things. Um, but the reading room still to this day often is relegated to the leftover space. And we've been kind of on a bit of a soapbox over the last four to five years and talking with a number of architects. And when we do get an opportunity to be involved in the early stages, it's don't underestimate the importance of design considerations for the reading room. Everything from where the reading room is, obviously how big the reading room is, how many people are, are coming, or how many workstations and radiologists are you trying to accommodate? But, but not only that, because there's a lot of different ways that you can fit radiologists into a space, right? If you have six reading rooms, you can have a long, narrow space or a well-designed space or you know anything in between. But where the reading room is, how it's designed and how it's laid out for people that are coming, for the radiologists themselves, who are trying to get a, an incredible amount of work done at the same time they're hoping to be collaborative with each other 
and they're hoping to provide some value to the referring clinicians as a consultative part of the process. So how do you create a space that allows for all of those things? You know, you need sanctity to get the work done. You need ease of collaboration. And then you need to be able to do this without stepping over each other. So there's people that are coming and going. There's um, all this activity within the reading room. And then you still have to support the physical needs of the radiologist to maintain a level of efficiency. So designing that space encompasses all of that, you know, how the room's laid out, the finishes of the room, the lighting in the room, and then and the ergonomics, which is, of course, a, an extremely important part. But the ergonomics, um, sometimes I felt that over the years, the discussion has a hyper-focus on the technology of digital imaging on the PAC side of things. But we're physical people existing in this physical space, and I can give you a, um, a really good adjustable workstation that will solve all those physical problems of dealing with monitors. But if these two things are just dropped into a lousy space that hasn't been thought through from a design effort, you've kind of got half a solution and you're going to end up with radiologists that are frustrated at the least, inefficient, uh, referring clinicians that are frustrated with, you know, that don't want to bother to come to see the radiologist because the reading room's a disaster. So there's lighting issues, there's acoustical issues, there's, there's layout issues, and there's the design elements of the room. Everything has the capacity to be a, a distraction to the radiologist or an enhancement of their experience there. Uh, you know, I can't emphasize enough to anybody who's listening. When you have an opportunity to be engaged in the design process for a new capital project for diagnostic imaging, make sure that the prime consultants, the design consultants are aware of and paying attention to and engaging with somebody who knows what they're doing if they don't know what they're doing for the radiology reading room because you know they do it for ors they do it for all the modalities but when you think about the amount of money that's spent on acquiring data that's of no use to anyone without that interpretation from the radiologist Mm -hmm. yet we spend proportionately how much attention and an investment is put into that reading environment where that professional their stress levels are high and they're Physical stress levels are high as well. So, you know, how much how much importance is being placed on that proportionally to everything else that's happening? Yeah, and I can actually, you know, echo some of that. I, I mean, I've certainly seen exactly what you're describing down south in, in Florida. We visited a customer, um, different one than Jeff was talking about. It was a lady who was reading mammography again. Um, wonderful desk setup, actually. Great chair, uh, great desk setup, monitors right at eye level. Um, so, you know, the comfort factor was there except they placed this setup in what they made into a makeshift uh, computer room or server room. And so on one wall, they had all of the computers and service, things like that sort of racked up. So there's this low hum or the din of the servers that you would hear for that, you know, outpatient facility. And then she was reading on the other side. And one of the things um, that I don't think was well considered was the temperature that they wanted to keep that room at. Right, right. And right. So she was wearing you know, track pants and wool socks and sweaters <laughs> and trying to read. And it looked like she was you know, being frozen out oh my of the reading room. And the poor woman was <laughs> was miserable, as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah. With, with that setup. So, you know, just really backing yeah. up, um, having seen this in practice, you're absolutely right. You know, you can give people the tools, but, but yeah. without the appropriate environment, I can see how um, that wasn't going to make much of a difference for her. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just to uh, add another layer to that, there was a mammographer uh, that was reading diagnostic mammography. Her layout was pretty good, except that her back was to the door. 
and texts yeah. were coming in like every 10 to 15 it's minutes. Startling, yeah. Uh, and either startling or, or she's having to, you know, she's trying to look at the images. She can't really make eye contact with the text because she's having to tell them what she's seeing on the screen at that moment in time or the sonographer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I imagine there's just a hundred different things that people should consider if they have yeah. the opportunity to, to, to design from scratch. But I think some of these places we're talking about are, are places that have been repurposed. What happens if you've already built a, uh, <laughs> you know, you've already built your facility and you can't go back and say, hey, uh, we need to re, you know, tear it down and rebuild everything. Have you found some best practices of kind of leveraging the existing space, maybe moving a wall? Um, you know, can you do redesign in an, an existing department where everything has already been set up? Well, that's a that's a tough question to answer. You, you, you know, yes, maybe you can. What we can do, and what we've we've maintained, uh, what we think is our best practice, is to always approach. Well, first of all, when we build the product that we do, it's not a one size fits all. It's uh, actually every unit that goes out the door here has been purpose built for the space that our clients have available, and to you know to accommodate all the technology they need for their workflow. But all those little things, like you were, you were just saying, that no backs to the door. We're very conscious of this when we're laying out a room, but it's really important to maintain a flexible way of creating these solutions because of what you just said, Jeff. Like so many of the places we're going into are, are legacy buildings or they've you've acquired some space, but there's either no opportunity to make changes or there's no budget to make the changes and you have to make the best of what you've been given. And so it's kept us in this way of doing things from a design and manufacturing stand that we've had to maintain a very flexible product that we can kind of tweak and work and massage and make it narrower or deeper or you know wrap around a column if we have to and so if you've been given one of these difficult spaces to work with and you want to make it the best you can be for a radiologist find a solution that is not just out of the box and out of the catalog find someone who can can work with you to try to make that it's kind of it's it's kind of like custom millwork but it's it's custom but it's not built in place right it needs to provide all the adjustability but it has to be suited to the space that you have certainly if you have the opportunity to you know to redevelop it would be the best of both worlds but those are tough questions to answer and there it changes everywhere you go it's a, it's a different set of realities so and, you know, it can certainly as organizations are growing and their imaging volumes are increasing and, you yeah. know, they have a, a strong focus right now towards, as you mentioned before, the technology. So that, that tends to be priority one. How do I have a PAX that scales? How do I make sure yeah. my workflow is optimized and things like that? Um, but you said a little bit earlier in, in one of your answers, I think you hit on one of the big buzzwords there, and that was efficiency, right? So it's right. all about radiologist efficiency, being able to bring in those images, read them quickly with high quality, um, and be able to read more and more and more of those as those case volumes increase. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm curious, I'm sure that ergonomics is going to be directly correlated to efficiency. Are you aware of, of any studies or have you seen you know, any success stories related to improvements in radiologist efficiency due to changes or optimization of ergonomics? I don't know if I've seen any direct studies. I, it's a lot of anecdotal and subjective data that we have, but I do know that there has been studies done in ergonomics in general. You'll find studies that say that ergonomics improves efficiency by up to 15%. And I think that that's a pretty tall claim. But the one that was done in radiology uh, claimed to see a 5% increase in productivity or efficiency. But if you even take a, a 3 to 4% increase in efficiency or productivity, 
think about what that payback is in terms of that kind of a of an environment with a with a professional like a radiologist. So there are studies that have been done, but the feedback is always positive. I worked with a group in, um, in Massachusetts who really put a lot of effort into how they were setting up their monitors. They integrated a lot of their communications, uh, certain things that they did that just made everything much more efficient for them to answer the phone, go back to dictating. Through all these changes that they made, they claimed to cut about an hour and a half off of their day. So they could get done in what used to take them, let's say, eight hours, they could get done the same amount of work in six and a half hours, which opened up opportunities for them to be consultative and, and doing other things as well. So there definitely is a lot of positive feedback and, and a good amount of subjective data. And I have seen a little bit of the actual studies that, that point to that. Speaking yeah. of studies, actually, I don't know if you saw that from uh, Health Imaging. Uh, it was a very small study, only 200 radiologists, and it was only done in one area, one region of the world. But they surveyed 200 rads, and 88.9% claimed to have musculoskeletal symptoms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that, is that your experience? Yeah, well, the, the ACR uh, has some statistics that well up over 60% of radiologists reporting you know, significant cervical issues. There always seems to be studies coming out that somebody has done that will attest to the fact that yeah, there's still radiologists out there who, who are reporting that they have a lot of pain. I have met many, many radiologists who have actually, it's gotten so bad that they've had to have surgery, you know, wow. with uh, severe neck issues. And so it's, it's, a, it's a huge issue, um, you know, and there are methods and there are tools to be put in place. Unfortunately, in a lot of cases, we're still seeing the, the IKEA-like um, <laughs> furniture. And I, I, I wouldn't mind addressing that a little bit if, if, you, if you want to go there now. Yeah. When you think about a good ergonomic solution and what it needs to do, there's basically three major functions that you need to look for. Sit-stand, that's kind of a given, right? Everybody's at least looking for that. I want to be able to sit. I want to be able to stand. That helps your lower back, right? Mainly, that's why you want to get out of your chair. So when you're sitting or standing, you want to bring the surface where your keyboard and mouse are to an appropriate level that when you're sitting or standing comfortably, your forearm is at a 90 degree to your upper arm and your, your wrists are in a natural position and everything's comfortable from your shoulders to your hands. So that's part of the adjusting of the desk as well as to get your back out of the chair. The next thing you have to be aware of is that the monitors have to raise or lower so that when I'm looking at the monitor and I'm looking slightly down to my monitor, my head is neither too far back or too far forward. I want to maintain a neutral position where my neck is comfortable, right? You want to have that neutral head position so your neck is not compromised one way or the other. So that when you're holding that position, you're looking comfortably at the monitor. So the monitor height is important. The third um, function, the third adjustability is the distance that the monitors are. From your eyes, so that focal depth. So there is a natural preferred distance, and it varies a little bit from person to person, where your eyes are most relaxed when you're focusing on the monitor. So the monitor depth should be, and used to say it's roughly arm's length. You know, you put your arm out, the monitor should be there. So one, two, three adjustments. Well, why do I need that constant in and out adjustment if I know where I've got to be? It's because we have to think the other way around. So if the eyes lead the body, I don't want to have a static workspace where I'm always being forced to adjust my body. I want the other way around. If I'm going to be as healthy as I can be in my workspace, I have to start thinking about where does my body need to be? 
and not just where does my body need to be all day. I'm not stuck in this position. The best position that you can be in is the next one you move to. So I'm constantly moving. I'm sitting, I'm standing, I'm leaning forward, I'm moving back. I'm always moving around. That's the best thing we can do. If you're going to be always moving around and changing your position and trying to maintain all those postures, guess what has to happen to all those things that you're touching and looking at? They have to come with you as you're moving through your day. If they can't move with you quickly and easily, you won't move it. So let's go back to Ikea. I got a little table that goes up and down. Okay, it goes up and down. Uh, First of all, is it strong enough to support and hold all the technology that I'm putting on it? Most often it's two CPUs. Sometimes you can get away with one. And then we have, you know, 100 pounds or more of, of monitors. And that doesn't seem to be getting any smaller. I never see just three monitors anymore. It's always four, five, or six. So you have to be able to support and adjust that weight. Well, then what am I going to do to give the radiologist the ability to adjust and move that monitor as I'm moving through the day? Nothing that you can buy off the shelf will host all of these monitors together. You can find some good arms that will host one monitor, maybe two, right? But a radiologist has more than that in their mix. And our experience from first 10 years that we were doing this, we were buying all these individual monitors and we thought we were giving them this wonderful solution because if they wanted to move, they would grab one, two, three, four monitors and make these fine little adjustments. Well, guess what? That takes too long. That's going to take me 45 seconds. So fast forward to a solution that allows all of the monitors, no matter how big that set of monitors is, to height adjust at the touch of a button, just like the height adjustment of the desktop. Push a button, the desk moves. You push a button, all the monitors move as one. Then you reach out and with two fingertips, you grab that entire monitor array and you pull it towards you or back so that no matter where I'm moving, I'm keeping my proper focal distance and those monitors are coming with me. So when you're looking for any kind of a solution for the radiologist, it's going to give them you know, a good ergonomic solution. If you don't invest in something that does those three adjustments quickly and easily, you've wasted your money. The radiologist won't use it and they won't benefit from it. So it, it has to be all three. It's kind of like it's, it's all or nothing. You know, if you're not going to do it all, you, you just, you might as well just leave them on the built-in counter that's left over from the days of film. And I still see those. They're still out there, <laughs> believe it or not. The other thing that's, that's uh, a challenge for radiologists, the kind of the last frontier for them is the width of the landscape that they have to look at. Most ergonomic studies or most ergonomic products are dealing with maybe two screens, right? They're pretty much everything is right in front of you. When you watch a radiologist working through their day, most of their focus I know is on the image and it's a little bit back and forth. But ask any radiologist about how their neck is feeling is because there's a constant turning left and turning right. To the, the yeah. ER monitor. Or right. Their, yeah. Their, uh, you know, the power scribe. Right. Organ solution. Yeah. It's not necessarily the movement back and forth that's getting them. I, I believe that what's happening is they're primarily focused straight ahead. They have the mouse and keyboard in front of them. They're looking at the two images in front of them. But then every once in a while, they have to focus left or focus right. And they put their focus over there, and you'll watch them do it. Head goes left. Shoulders kind of go out of line. Mouse and keyboard stay center. And so you're in this awkward position where you're misaligned. And this happens many, many times in the day. So that's kind of the very last frontier is these input devices. This is what gives us all the problems. We're still stuck to the mouse. 
if a radiologist is going to turn and focus left or right, we have a solution now that unconsciously lets them just bring everything with them and everything comes back, your posture comes back to neutral. So that width of the landscape of the monitors is a huge issue in ergonomics. It isn't addressed in any other industry. You can conquer the, everything else that I talked about in those three major adjustments, but you have to be conscious of the size of the landscape that you're looking with and how you're using it. Are you trying to maintain your neutral alignment of your posture as you're focusing left and right? That all comes into play. So it's a big deal. You mentioned something a little bit ago. You're talking about, you know, keeping the body moving is, is important. Have you found any best practices? You know, one of the things, um, yeah, posters all over the, the gym I used to go to yeah. when we were allowed to go outside. And one of them had a, someone sitting at a, at a desk. And it, I, I go to a place that's large, right by the Capitol here in California. So most of the people that go there are, are desk people. And they had this big poster that said, uh, sedentary works life is the new smoking. Yeah, it'll kill you. Um, <laughs> so they really promoted getting up. And I know most people have Fitbits and different things now that tell yeah. you every hour. Yeah. Are there any sort of best practices for, you know, is it best to sit down and, and hammer through as a radiologist, you know, two yeah. or three hours at a time and then get up for an extended period? Or, you know, what are some of the, the things that radiologists should do in terms of motion and movement uh, as a way to guard against long-term ill effects? Well, if you, you can kind of go back, there's there's some standard uh, twenty the twenty 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 thing that I've you know everybody talks about, and that's kind of when you're you're stuck in a in an office job where nothing moves, you know, every twenty minutes, look twenty feet away for twenty seconds or something like this. So it's kind of programmed break. You can set an alarm for yourself to just take your eyes off the screen, stand up and stretch. Most of the radiologists that I speak to um, are kind of standing until they can't stand it anymore we're kind of made to either be standing up and walking and running or laying down and sleeping. And the sitting in the chair is, is a very unnatural thing for the, the way our bodies are designed. So it's unreasonable to think that you can stand for an eight or 10 hour day. And that, that causes other problems too, when you're standing still. So as you're standing, try to keep moving back and forth, always moving on your feet. There's good standing mats that can help with the comfort for your feet as well. And all of these things, but, and then sit down when you have to, and get back out of the chair as soon as you feel like you could. And when you talk about Fitbit, I was um, heard from a radiologist in the Detroit area that the health organization was offering discounts or some, some kind of rebates on their health insurance premium if they could show through the use of something like a Fitbit that they got a certain amount of exercise through the day, right? certain amount of movement well when you're a radiologist you're, you're unless you unless you adopt the uh, treadmill and that's another another <laughs> conversation yeah. yeah they're they're out there um and i've talked to some radiologists who like them and, and are successful with them i don't think they're for the majority but i think there's a minority of radiologists who could who could benefit from it but and i have a question actually about the yeah. treadmill um you know, because I've always, you know, I liken this to my experience of, you know, going to the gym and running on a treadmill and, you know, you bring a magazine or a book and you're like, well, I'll just read this book while I'm running. And there's awesome. no way your eyes can focus <laughs> yeah. to read while you're actually running. Maybe if you're going at a, at a slow walk, um, yeah. what's the trade-off there? Is there a trade-off between the movement um, and the benefits of movement on the treadmill, but then, think, you know, the extra work you're putting your eyes through to try and focus while you're moving? Well, I know that the, when you use a treadmill, when you're, when you're working on screen or when you're reading, it's, it's, it's moving very slow. It's not even at a full walking pace. It's just so that it's forcing you into a very slow shifting of your weight. 
right? And that's just what I understand. And maybe maybe there's some radiologists who are going faster than that, but I wouldn't want them reading my images if they're doing that. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that they're just kind of using it just to keep their body moving. And, and that's okay. The challenge with the, with, the, with the treadmill becomes a space issue, right? The, the one particular radiologist that I know had a 10 by 12 office and you know the, the, the treadmill could easily be picked up and rolled out of the way and the chair rolled in. Um, maybe you can set up a, a designated treadmill workstation in a reading room that's a shared space that might work, but it, you can't leave the treadmill there when you're ready to sit down. So the treadmill has to go somewhere when, it, when you're ready to get back in the chair for a while. So it, it's a, it, it, it can be a practical issue. It can be a spray, uh, you know, the practicality of having the space. It can be, as, as you said, Lori, is, is this really easy for me to do? Am I, you know, I, I wonder if there's a, an increased uh, brain processing that has to go on when you're on the treadmill and trying to keep your focus there. So are you, you're getting a benefit in one spot, but maybe you're getting brain tired <laughs> on the other, on the other end of that. I don't, I don't know. I, I know that there are some that are successful, honestly, judging by the conversations that I've had over all the years I've been doing this, it's very, very few that are really that interested in it. And there's, there's a number that have tried it and that have just said, I can't do it. So we were wondering when I was speaking to this radiologist who was talking about getting the, you know, the benefits to his health insurance premium, if you were a Fitbit, there's software available for, I think most of the sit-stand workstations now where you can track the time that you are in a standing position versus sitting and you can actually get it. It will, it will spit out a report for you. So that might be something that I'm kind of hoping people will start talking about, you know, if there's, Hey, I can't, I can't get 10,000 steps in a day because I'm a radiologist and I'm chained to my workstation. But if I stand, I can show you how long I'm standing. That's better for my health. I'm doing better. I'm moving around. So there might be some, some um, benefit to that. You know, uh, Greg, I've had the privilege of seeing you work for almost 20 years now. And I remember in the early days of PAX film, the filmless conversion, yeah. uh, we got to work together on a very large project in California. I remember seeing your desks at the time thinking these desks are going to last as long as this hospital. Um, that might be a good thing, but that might, not, might also not be a good thing uh, if, if technology has changed. What, mm -hmm. have, you, what have you seen change um, just from the way you design and build you know, your equipment? And what would you say to maybe someone who bought some of your desks uh, 20 years ago who are saying, hey, these things are still working great? The ones that were built that long ago, um, they were good and strong, and some of them are still working, unfortunately. That's the downside of our business plan. <laughs> they're, they're still, no planned obsolescence. Huh? Yeah, yeah, no planned obsolescence. No, they're still there. Um, I'm going to do the, answer this in two parts. So there's a limited functionality in terms of the adjustability for the monitors that just wasn't there in that decade. You know, that adjustability that's required for those three major functions. So the older legacy desks, are robust and they're strong and they go up and down and they do this, but we didn't have the ability to manage the monitors then like we do now. Mm -hmm. So that's one reason not to hang on to them. So when you say what's changed, like other than we used to build uh, real estate on the desktop to manage light boxes, right? For film. Mm -hmm. So that film to film, is, that's gone. And um, we never used to see more than the three monitor setup. But what surprises me still to this day is the lack of integration in technologies. And maybe that's just because everything's moving so fast that you know there's always something new coming out. But as I said, I'm still seeing minimum four monitors and then sometimes more than that. And I was certain 
in the early years of doing this that everything was just going to get smaller and smaller and lighter and lighter. But it, it's, it still boggles my mind. So it's, it's changed, but it hasn't changed. I'm still building monsters to provide the adjustability because there is still so much technology to manage. So maybe I could ask you, why do I see that? What's your opinion on that? I'll let Laurie answer this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, Jeff. Um, you know, honestly, I, I really think that this is this is sort of the paradox that we get into with technology. And I talk about this a lot um, when talking about data and health information and all of that. You know, on the positive side, technology is giving us access to so much more information um, than we were able to access before and, and to bring sort of meaningful insights from that information to bring it all together across multiple data sources. But the downside is that we have access to so much, so much more information, information. right? <laughs> That's the paradox um, that we're yeah. in. And, and from a technology yeah. perspective, there's you know advanced modalities that are sending in much larger image sets. You have advanced visualization platforms that can do so much more with regards to 3D reconstruction and, and AI detection and all of that cool stuff. But right now, you know, to your point, there is a lack of integration of all of these different technologies across the imaging ecosystem. So each one has its own sort of workflow, yeah. its own way Platform. to present itself, yeah. et cetera. Right. Yeah. And I mean, the alternative to having four monitors, five monitors up on your desk is, uh, you know, your good old alt tab um, between windows. Well, and, you know, then you get into repetitive stress and uh, carpal tunnel and all of those complaints that, uh, you know, we're a very very much click counters in this in industry. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so I think that's, that's, this is the problem that we have is we want access to this information. We want to be able to see that information in a way that is contextually relevant in a, a timely manner um, at the point of care. But at the same time, we can't be interrupting the workflow or making, you know, the review of that information impact how long it's taking to yeah. really review yeah. the case. Yeah. Thus, thus we still have these things we have to deal with. Jeff, and maybe Lori, you both saw it. Remember the big, big workstations that we had a couple of years ago that we were, we were yeah. showcasing? Yes. That, that was um, uh, Dr. John McKay and Dr. David Bader. At that was the one Health. that looked like the NASA cockpit, right? Yeah. It, and, <laughs> you know, and it just made me go back to that in my mind when Lori was talking. And so here's a couple of radiologists that we're kind of experimenting. And some would say it's kind of old school, where everything for a number of years tried to get everything down to two image monitors and then of course there's the alt tab and you're constantly clicking back and forth and you're changing screens and what is that really is that helpful to the radiologist or not so they experimented with and then we got involved because we helped to create a framework to support the technology that they were using and provide some adjustability but here's a, a couple of radiologists that I think they're downsizing a little bit now, but they were working with a landscape of monitors that was up to anywhere between six and eight monitors. And I'm not saying just the regular monitors, they were taking a 30 inch monitor, putting it in portrait and putting six of those up. Wow. wow. Talk, talk about a landscape of monitors, yeah. but, but what, what it allowed them to do was display everything, especially in a complex case, kind of everything came up. And then there was a way of maneuvering through that landscape First of all, it took it took a lot of the mouse clicks away. There was a way of swinging back and forth in that landscape that kept their body aligned and, and comfortable. And these were the guys that shaved off about an hour and a half off the day uh, because of the increase in efficiencies by having all the information up, everything that they needed in front of them. They weren't clicking the mouse. They weren't uh, you know flipping from screen to screen. Everything was up. 
and then everything went to the next case. And then along with an improved way of communicating, they, they just created a much more relaxed environment. So and I think as long as we're seeing, Lori, what you're talking about in terms of what's happening with the technology, we have to be able to provide the radiologist this environment where as much as possible, everything can be displayed. And then that leads to how are they doing with managing all that flow of stuff coming at them? You know, it's kind of like the fighter pilot get to the point where there's so much information coming at you, you just crash the plane because you can't process it. But that's some of the feedback that I get from radiologists is the amount of stuff that they have to look at, interpret. If we leave them just to do that without paying attention to the physical sphere that they exist in, and then we're going to continually see these reports, Jeff, that you mentioned, they're not going to go away, right? And so unless we really keep working to create environments for them to maintain their physical health because it's pretty simple that the the way to efficiency or productivity is stay healthy that's really interesting that you say that i was going to actually just say that we were um, we're running up on time so i was going to ask for a closing thought but i think you summarized this perfectly you know the, the sort of the key to productivity is to stay healthy and obviously staying healthy strongly involves the consideration of proper ergonomics in the workspace. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, even this this uh, push, Imaging 3.0 uh, spoke a lot about the value of radiology. You know, what, what value is the radiologist bringing? And, and we kind of got caught up and pulled up into that conversation. And ergonomics became part of that 3.0 conversation from the standpoint that if, A, you're piling on, you've got more data coming at the radiologist, but you're also expecting them to be able to turn away from that screen, to consult, to answer questions, to take phone calls, to do all these things. As a consultative doctor, they have to be working as efficiently as possible so that they can still get all the work done that they need to get done and be able to turn away and be the consultant as well. And again, room design, ergonomics, all of the things that contribute to that efficiency and the, the maintenance of their health is, is so critical. Mm-hmm. Listen, Greg, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I've definitely found this informative and, you know, maybe there's some takeaways that I can apply in my own workspace. <laughs> and I hope that uh, our radiology listeners... As you keep listeners... that video on, I'll, I can give you some advice right now. <laughs> <laughs> I have no doubt. But I, I certainly hope that our radiology listeners uh, will be able to take away some tidbits there and, and yeah. really help to improve their work environments and, um, and their overall health as well. So much appreciated. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I've I've really enjoyed this.